grace and peace to you. My name is Melissa, and today I would love to share with you some of what God has been teaching me about joy this Advent season. To be honest, joy is not something I sit with very often. I think people usually assume that it's one of my defining personality traits. I'm a youth minister. I'm definitely all about the crazy games. I'm first on a dance floor, last on a dance floor. Well, first on the dance floor, last to leave the dance floor. Uh, but cards on the table, just because I own and often enjoy wearing an astronaut costume does not mean joy comes naturally to me. Uh, fun? Yes. Laughter? Yes. Uh, but joy, yeah, to be honest, it's just not ever been right there for me. And just so we're all on the same page, I think we can all agree, joy is more than being happy, right? It's being exuberant. It's something inside of you that makes the muscles in your mouth widen to form a smile without you even having to think about it. If happiness is what happens when the Giants win a game, joy is what happens when they beat the Dodgers. It's deeper. Being happy is nice, but being joyful transcends happy. As I spent time preparing for this reflection, I started paying attention to where I was seeing joy. And man, come the holidays, joy is everywhere. It's on giant billboards and bus shelter ads for buying lotto tickets. It's written in perfect cursive on brightly colored sweatshirts on every Facebook ad I see. It's hanging on light posts. I saw it on grocery store items and shopping bags. It's everywhere. Find joy, make joy, give joy, get joy, spark joy. Somehow... If we can manage to capture, bottle, consume joy, maybe we'll find ourselves in this cozy, wintry pillow of total bliss and happiness. And, you know, in all honesty, I don't think all of this is totally off. I mean, for those of us who follow Jesus, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So that means when the Spirit of God is alive and at work in you and in me, we have joy. In the book of Nehemiah, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is strength. In James, it tells us to consider it pure joy when we face struggles and trials because it'll create perseverance in us, and that perseverance will make us whole. So joy makes us whole. In Romans, it says, may God fill you with joy so that you will overflow with hope. Joy is hope. So yeah, you know, if you can bottle all of that up and give it to me, I will take it. But the thing about joy when the Gap or Lotto Tickets or Marie Kondo talk about it is that they're talking about something outside of you, outside of me, that if we can get our hands on, promises us an experience, a moment of joy. The thing about joy when the prophets or Paul and Jesus himself even talk about it is that when we are in relationship with Jesus, his spirit dwells within us, promising us an existence, a lifetime of joy. And to be totally honest, neither of those sound particularly easily attainable or sustainable to me, but stay with me a second because we're going to go meta here for a minute. And then I want to come back to this. Your brain is wired to respond to joy. When you see, taste, hear certain things, neurobiologically, you light up. Designer and author Ingrid Fettel Lee has spent over a decade researching this, and she writes extensively about it in her book, Joyful, which I super highly recommend. She travels across the world researching and interviewing designers, architects, artists, educators, psychologists, doctors, historians. I mean, pretty much anyone in the world who has had a part in recognizing joy and constructing a piece of life around it. It is fascinating, and it's not fluff. This isn't fancy cursive on sweatshirts or rebranding lotto tickets. 
It's the kind of stuff that happens when this nonprofit called Public Color starts painting underperforming public schools in New York City, super bright colors, and graffiti almost completely disappears. Teachers and students consistently say they feel safer at school. Principals report that both student and teacher attendance approves. Some principals even report a difference in test scores. So what Ingrid Fettoli writes is that because something in the bright green hue on that wall that used to be drab beige does something to the endorphins, the dopamine, the serotonin, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but all those things that are inside these people passing these walls, because of that, they pass it. It increases their capacity and their desire to engage, to be present, and they feel a sense of joy. And that sense of joy changes the way they interact with their surroundings. Lee cites endless examples, similar to this one, of how our brains are wired to respond to these kinds of things, and how throughout history and across the world, people are improving their lives and their communities through understanding, harnessing, and sharing joy. Obviously, joy is not simply about bright colors, but as I was reading Lee's book, I had this like light bulb moment. All of these evidences of our brains and bodies responding to joyful things I don't buy that these are just like accidental random pockets of happiness on steroids. I think these things, bright colors, playful shapes, an incredible meal, a glowing Christmas tree, the sound of 40,000 fans shouting beat LA, these are glimpses, reminders of the fullness of joy we came from in the garden and that we are waiting for in the kingdom to come. Or to put it plainly, You were literally made to live in the fullness of joy. And for every moment you catch a glimpse, a reminder of that fullness in this world, in this life, you recognize it and it lights you up. Literally. I told you this is meta. (laughs) So what does this have to do with Advent? Yeah. Okay. During Advent, we enter into the life of the people of Israel the Jewish people, they last heard from God 400 years ago as the Old Testament ended. And as the New Testament begins, they are waiting, holding out every ounce of hope they can muster that their promised Messiah, their salvation is still coming for them. And Advent invites us to sit in that world, that broken, buried, emptied, silent world, perhaps the farthest we have ever been from the garden. And then, in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, the cry of a new life breaks, rips, tears into the darkest, thickest silence, and nothing will ever be the same again. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Jesus is the first spark in the midst of total darkness. He is the first glimpse of the kingdom that is to come. Jesus is the first joy. Like never in my life has Advent felt as real as it feels right now. This endless expense, expanse of waiting, longing, barren silence. Like this is all of 2020, one giant long Advent, 400 years of just waiting to see when and how this will all end. But here's the good news. You and I no longer have to wait for joy to break in. You and I don't even have to make joy. You and I don't even need to find joy because you and I have been given the fullness of it already. This is what God is teaching me about joy. It is not mine to muster. It is mine already. 
because he is mine already. Joy is my strength because Jesus is my strength. Joy is my hope because Jesus is my hope. Joy makes me whole because Jesus makes me whole. Jesus is my joy. And I wish I had some like mountaintop moment of this that I could share with you where it just clicked and the lights switched on, where sunshine broke through and the clouds broke away and all the burdens of my life were just gone and joy came exploding out of me like in a musical. But I do not because that is not what Jesus's joy has been for me in this season. It has been the 29 houseplants that fill my 475 square foot apartment. (laughs) It's been playing every Maverick City music album on constant repeat since April. Super highly recommend. Go check them out. It's been sitting in my hammock on the cliffs of the Presidio, wrapped in a fuzzy blanket, reading Harry Potter. It's been FaceTiming with my best friends, watching every Marvel movie in chronological order. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that in this season, joy has looked a lot like regular life whatever that is anymore. And, but with the deepest sense of hope and wholeness and delight, Jesus isn't asking us to buck up and smile and throw a party like everything's totally fine and wonderful and incredible. He's inviting us to delight in his perfect love, in his perfect peace, in his perfect hope, because that is good. That is incredible. That is joy. I think back to like the night Jesus was born. It wasn't a huge sparkly musical number. It was a fairly regular night. Okay, yes, for the angels, big hype. Arguably, it was a big sparkly musical number. But in the stable that night, it was mom and dad who couldn't get a room anywhere, crammed in a barn with animals, quiet visits from relative strangers. In Luke, it says that Mary treasured up all she heard that night from the shepherds and pondered it in her heart. She didn't jump up and down and dance or have some crazy happy party. She listened and she treasured the memory of that night and would ponder it over the next 30 years of regular life, being a regular mom to a regular son that, I mean, like obviously wasn't regular, but you get the point. So for most of the world that night, when joy broke into the world, regular life, deep and renewed hope wholeness and delight just looked like regular life. And for some of you, you live like your life is a real life musical. And that's amazing. You are the angels in the Christmas story who can just break into literal song at any moment because Jesus's joy for you is huge and it's loud and it's sparkly and it's wonderful and we need you. And that's amazing. But for some of us, life is very much not a musical And the weight of everyday life, maybe particularly in the midst of another round of shelter in place, has sucked all the joy out of us. We feel crammed. We're exhausted. We do not feel joyful. And if that's where you are, I just want to encourage you with two things. First, you were made for joy. Listen, no brightly painted wall can do for you what Jesus did, but sometimes That's all it takes to remind us of the truth because God is such a good creator and designer. He literally wired you to be able to remember his joy by seeing something he did. So set your mind, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your hands on something that's beautiful, something that shouts of the garden you came from and the kingdom you're headed to. 
watch a sunrise, FaceTime a friend, play with your kids, put on music and dance alone in your room, go on a walk and take photos of the the incredible colorful houses that line our city. Catch every glimpse of joy that Jesus has brought into our regular world and let it light you up. Second, Jesus is your first joy. And I know that this is like almost eye-rollingly Christian, but this is where we put our money where our mouth is. There is not a single thing on this planet, not a person, not a salary, not a career, not an accomplishment, not a relationship, not a gap sweatshirt that can bring the joy to you that Jesus already has. And I know that that does not solve your problems right now. And I know that that might not ease your grief or your pain in this moment. I know that it might feel trite in the midst of the broken, barren darkness our world feels like right now. But let me remind you of this and speak this blessing of truth over you. It was in the middle of the darkest, emptiest, most silent night the world would ever know that Jesus came to you. Jesus is your first, your greatest, and your brightest joy. I'll invite you to say that out loud. And if you don't smile when you say it, say it till you do. Jesus is your first, your greatest, your brightest joy.